Already I've made sweeping generalizations that aren't true of all of you and said that they were, so I please, I apologize for that. Often fall comes a bit later in Louisiana than it does in other parts of the country. Here the autumn colors have only recently reached their crest. The chill I associate with the season has come and gone several times already, and I'm not sure whether it's landed yet. Talking about the seasons and cycles of life can, I know, become pretty cliche on many levels. But for me, the fall, like the spring, really is a particularly easy time to have the ways of nature creep in as life lessons. In Ted Loder's poem, he asserts that it is always autumn or fall in the soul, spirit, interiority. That's an idea that I haven't quite finished walking around in. Um, but I find it interesting. And in some ways, I think it's true. There is perpetual letting go and an ongoing cycle of in-betweens with simultaneous flare and fading. Still, I seem to recall times when my spirit has been filled with light and the sense of budding and, and newness and, and promise that comes with spring. So was it fall then too? Um, so I'll reserve judgment on the always part of that. Um, but I certainly feel right now it feels like fall for me. In some systems I find myself referred to as a senior citizen. Well, that's just ridiculous. Anybody that knows me knows I have not matured <laughs> in a whole lot of ways, I'm afraid. I don't mind the discount here and there, but I'd much rather it be a reward for tenacity than some sort of consolation prize for decline. Uh, age can be insulting enough all by itself. It was just a minute ago that I felt and knew those springs. I don't know if it was my 40s or 50s or 30s, but it was way too briefly ago. For a stretch of time, somewhere along the road, I seem to recall with some strange nostalgia as Loder said, uh, that things finally seem to strike some sort of balance. I could feel that I had learned some things along the way and, and that, that my spirituality made sense, my, um, 
my sense of meaning and my sense of justice and all of those things were coming into balance. I felt a calmness and a confidence that seemed to fit both my interior world and my exterior world. And those things seemed to be saying to me that all the world was one. You know, what I understood inside and out all made sense to me. I could move along fully aware of the divisions and contrasts and conflicts of opinions and positions and still have a feel, a deep resonance of the world and I as one. There's a Buddhist story about a hermit. Um, well known for his austerity, uh, who had been practicing in a cave for 25 years, meditating in a cave for 25 years. And an unconventional teacher named Patrul Rinpoche, or Patrul Rinpoche, who was also a bit of a jokester, went up to visit him. And Patrul Rinpoche said, tell me, what have you been doing here all this time? And the hermit said, I've been meditating on patience. I've been perfecting patience in my life. Well, the playful joke, jokester, Petrol Rinpoche, started going around the cave and disturbing all of this stuff that was very neatly and orderly placed and, you know, lovingly assigned whatever kind of positions and, and just messing everything up. And he would come and pat the hermit on the back and say, I know, we're just doing this so that people give us brownie points, just so that we get everybody else's respect. But two old pros like you and me know that it's blarney. It's just for the appearances of it. And he'd pat him on the back and then mess up his cave a little bit more. And then he came face to face, right in his face with bad breath, I might add, and said, we know this is all a joke, right? Well, the hermit was getting more and more and more upset as he messed things up, as he pat him on the back and insisted that they were just doing it for as posturing. But, but Petrol Rinpoche kept laughing, patting him on the back, Finally, the hermit stood up and screamed, Why did you come here? Why are you tormenting me? Go away and leave me in peace. And then Rinpoche said, So now, where is your perfection of patience? Without other people, we can't learn where we're stuck and therefore have the opportunity to address those things, heal them, grow past them, and move on. No doubt the hermit was approaching fall, the, the letting go of some things that had felt like they were in full bloom for him. 
with the passing, passing of all that he longed not to see pass. My all-too-human failings have come full force to challenge me. Whatever sense I had, I had thought I had developed of moving toward spiritual improvement, that aspiration to have a more noble and honorable image, try to awaken the wisdom of age. To my great self-disappointment and frustration, I have in recent times found myself responding to repeated button pushings with old habitual behavior. the buttons, the triggers, the hooks that most often get pushed by either uh, the people we're married to or the people who planted the buttons, triggers, and hooks, or our children or people that we work with regularly or, I, I mean, the people closest to us in our, in our uh, maybe emotional climate. Maybe that would be a fair way to say that. Um, but looking at the patterns and identifying them, deciding I was going to do something differently about that behavior didn't help. Carl Jung said, the greatest and most important problems of our life are fundamentally unsoluble. They can never be solved, but only outgrown. Whether old triggers cause us to respond by acting out in some way or becoming angry or developing depression, we may find ourselves blaming the person who we have experienced as causing or initiating the pain. And Buddhist teacher and none, Pema Chodron, suggests that what it feels like is be having an arrow shot through our heart. It's a natural impulse to respond with something that cries out. But she also suggests that standing there screaming at the archer or trying to, you know, get some kind of relief from barking at what we consider the source, whether it's from jealousy, embarrassment, feeling frantic, irritated, upset, distraught, or angry, is a waste of time. That what we need to be addressing is the arrow that's in our heart. It's the trying to deal with the out there instead of this that shuts us off from our own experience. Now, now Pema Chodron also recommends that we try to deal with the small things like maybe splinters <laughs> rather than arrows uh, first and develop our skill at being open 
so that the healing can occur. Sometimes that's not an option. Or maybe we can do that simultaneously while we have to address the big things that come up in our lives. But if you're like me, you must have enough discomfort first to make changing something things that we're willing to do. Uh, Julian of Norwich, a 14th century Christian mystic who is also the person who said all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well, said, or wrote, I'm sorry, um, first there is the fall. Then there is, then we recover from the fall. And both are the mercy of God. As he speaks about his book, Falling Upward, Franciscan friar Richard Rohr talks about the first step of the 12-step program in which uh, people fall down, lose control, and have to acknowledge a lack of control. The fall, powerlessness. In the movie Bagger Vance, Bagger says to Juna, ain't a soul on this entire earth ain't got a burden to carry he don't understand. You've been carrying this one long enough. It's time to lay it down. Around us it is observably fall. Is it possible that within us it is also fall? Time for letting go with the grace of leaves. Opening space for the new buds to come. And accept the longing that we are for the grateful spring past every fall. 